Yeah, we had, we're plugging along. We, we skipped and maybe, I don't know, and I didn't hear any feedback, so we're just going to keep the skip. But basically, I skipped a lot about the, about the davening, the particulars of Shabbos davening. Uh, we focused on the things which I thought were, were clearly relevant to, to women, but a lot of the details about the particulars of davening, even women who daven, sometimes are davening on their own and not doing all the unique things that we do uh, Shabbos morning, so I chose to skip that. Um, that. That said, let me just throw a couple of things out. We are, we're, we're nearing the end of this book, um, so the question is, what is next? So if you recall, for those of you uh, who learned the last book with us, we had a test. And the test was a little too hard, admittedly. Uh, the test was a little too hard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, so now Sorbamer, the, the, the organizers actually started making their own tests. I'm assuming they're a little bit more reasonable than I am. And uh, I'm waiting to see a copy of the test. And I'm wondering if there's interest. If there's interest, I'd be happy to, uh, it'd be nice to do like a little review of like everything we learned, just like an overview, not the, the same detail, but just make sure like we walk away with the, you know, the goal of learning this is to get, you know, the final conclusions, etc. So we could do, my thought is to do a couple of weeks of review and then have the test, hopefully a much easier test. Um, and then... So no, no, the, one of the questions I have for that, I wanted to see the test. I could edit that. Hopefully I could, I'm sure I could edit their test. I hope. If not, then I'm not going to give it. Um, Okay, so that would be one option. So basically review for a couple. So we have like probably two or three weeks until we finish this book. So we could probably review for two or three weeks and then have a day for the test. And then it's getting close to Perm and Pesach. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, and so my thought it would be to spend some time reviewing quickly the laws of Purim and more extensively the laws of Pesach because we could always use some review. Um, how's that sound? How's that sound? Okay, then after Pesach, we could start the next book. The next volume just came out a couple, like about a month ago. Uh, the next volume is entirely uh, something which is not, you know, it doesn't focus on davening, it focuses on cooking on Shabbos, which is relevant to all of us, and, and uh, Kiddush, relevant to all of us, and uh, I forgot what else. But, but it seemed like a pretty relevant... We may have done Kiddush, like, on our own, but not, yeah, but not, not, through, the, not through the book. Um, can't hurt to review. Okay, so that, that, that should be, that sounds like a decent plan. Okay, great. Let's do it. Okay, so Shai Mikrovech Targum. This topic is, uh, arguably, as we'll see at the end, they're going to focus on, is this relevant to women? Spoiler alert, uh, there is page 277. Spoiler alert, uh, the postgame do not believe that women are obligated, but I'm choosing to still go through this mitzvah because it's actually quite a fascinating one, not well practiced, and even though a woman may not be obligated, I would so, so, so highly recommend it. Okay, the mitzvah is called Shnayim Mikra Ve'echad Targum, which literally means the text or the, yeah, the text twice and the translation once. Okay, Shnayim Mikra, twice the text, once the translation. Okay, again, not, as we'll see, women are not obligated to doing so, but if you are considering doing something extra, something you're not doing and you're looking for something extra, uh, this is this is a good one. Okay, so let's let's begin with the Gemara and Brachos. The Gemara Brachos in source number one says, "Amar Rav Huna bar Yehuda, Amar Rabbi Ami." Rav Huna, the son of Yehuda, says in the name of Rav Ami, "Leolam always Yashlim Adam." A person should complete Parshiyosav the Parsha Im Hatzibor together with the congregation Shnayim Mikra twice the text VeEchad Targum. And one time, the Targum. Now, although I, I, I've translated the word Targum to mean translation, Targum usually has a very specific connotation. If you look at a Chumash, right, uh, the article Chumash, you'll have the text over here, you'll have Rashi on the bottom, you'll, you know, and then on the side, you'll have something called Targum, Targum Unculus, and we'll see, does it have to be that Targum? Could it be something else? But that's what the, te- the Gemara over here, this is already in the Gemara, that there is a law that a person should finish every week reading the text twice, and reading the translation, or at least the Targum, once. Okay? So, Vafilu, the Gemara, ad, the Gemara adds, even Ataros Vedivon. What is Ataros Vedivon? So, we'll see soon. Ataros Vedivon are places, are locations. Okay? Um, and so, what the Gemara over here is saying is that you would think the words Ataros and Divon, how do you think the words Ataros and Divon are in the Targum, in the translation? How do, what, are they, what, are the, what are they framed as? Ataros and Divon. So why would you have to repeat it? The Gemara says, no, still you should have to repeat those words. Okay? Ataros and Divon. Why? Shekol hamashlim, parshiyosav imatzibor, anyone who concludes, who finishes the Torah portion with the congregation, marichin lo yamav ushnosav, uh, they extend their life. 
gives you a long life. Okay, people are always looking for segulas and they're putting keys in their chalas and having toxic waste in their chala, whatever. I don't know. You know, this is a much better one. This is tried, tested, and true. You know, kiba aim like we read in this past week's parsha. Learning the parsha. Those are good. Those are good segulos. Okay, don't worry about. It. There's enough ancient segulos which are intrinsically meaningful before we getting all the the new the newfangled stuff which is uh, highly dubious yes when it says with the congregation it means according to the calendar well, the well g- that's the simple meaning we'll see exactly what it, it it doesn't necessarily mean in shul, right? It doesn't mean in shul because they're, they're how are you going to do it while the chazan, while the balkore is reading. So we'll see exactly what this means. Yeah, we're going to define this. But this is already a gemara. The gemara says that a person is obligated, um, and again. We'll see, women don't have the same obligation, but the Gemara is telling a person is obligated to read the Parsha twice and the translation once. We'll see at the end why. What's the significance of this? Why, why would the Gemara tell us this? Like, why is Kriya Satorah not enough? We'll come back to that. Okay, Rashi just, oh, we'll skip the Rashi. We already saw that. Uh, let's now turn the page to page 278, source 3. Okay, says Tosvos. Again, Tosvos is one of the commentators on the Gemara. Tosvos says, Shnai Mikra Targum. Yesh Mefarshim, there are those who explain Vihu adin, it is the same idea, liloazos bilaz, to, um, you know, for those who speak uh, other languages, shelahen, of their language, have targum shemefaresh lefamim. Okay, it's like the targum. It's like targum, what we call targum onkelis, which is occasionally explained. Okay, just like the Targum, the goal of the, the commentary, the, the Targum Unkelis, explains to those who don't know what the Hebrew text is, so too, people who speak a foreign language, they'll have their own translations. So, so Tosu says, do you have to be reading it, the Unkelis, again, let, let's just take a step back. What is Unkelis? Again, you open up Chomish, you have the text over here, you have what's called Targum Unkelis over here. Targum means translation, Unkelis is the guy's name. Okay, who is Unkelis? Unkelis is a man who is a convert. Uh, he converted to uh, Judaism. He actually was from a royal family. There's some fascinating stories about this individual. He risked his life. Uh, this was during the reign of the Roman, uh, while the Romans really ruled over uh, the Jewish people. It was a time of great, great persecution against the Jews. And nonetheless, this person who's part of the royalty goes ahead and, and converts, and he risks his life to do so. And in the process, he's not just, you know, he, he, develop, he, he, he becomes very knowledgeable, and he creates a translation which becomes seen as like the gold standard of a translation. Now, as you know, any translation, by definition, there's always commentary within a translation. Meaning, even if I'm just telling you I'm translating a word, it's never just translation of a word. By definition, I have to incorporate, even if I'm not adding too many words, but every translation, I'm, I'm explaining a little bit. And so the goal, the, the, the main, initially, the great goal of this translation was as a way of explaining, A, for there are people who didn't know Hebrew. There are many people who didn't know Hebrew. We have some great, you know, uh, there's a man by the name of Philo uh, who wrote commentaries on the Torah. He didn't really know, as far as we know, he didn't really know Hebrew, right? He lived in Alexandria, a place which was like very Hellenized. And, uh, you know, Hebrew was not so well known, okay? So so comes along people uh, in this era where there are people who want to be connected, but they don't know Hebrew. And Unculus comes along and translates everything so that people could access the Torah. Again, translates slash a little bit of subtle commentary in the process. We'll see the commentators take his translation very, very seriously. They assume that his commentary is is like almost from, from you know, the, the, the words that he uses, the, the translation, the commentary that he incorporates into his translation, they believe it has a, has a very significant Messorah, a very significant tradition, all the way back to Moshe, okay? So this, is a, this translation is taken, given a lot of weight, okay? A lot, a lot of weight. One way or another, uh, the goal of this translation is to make the Torah accessible. So Tosos over here is asking the question, okay, so you and I, if you were to open any Aramaic text, how helpful would that be? Not helpful at all, okay? It would be harder for us to understand Onkelis than it is to understand the Hebrew text. So Tosas asks, can a person just go ahead and open an English text, right? Instead of using Onkelis, would it be okay to go ahead and read the Hebrew text twice and read an English translation? Would that be okay? So he says, there are those who say yes, because it's the same thing. He says, however, Tosas concludes, Viloni, second paragraph on page 278, Viloni Hira. It doesn't, uh, doesn't appear to me to be the case. Shareha Targum, because this particular Targum, what is Targum Onkelis, Mifaresh explains, Bimashe in Lilmod Mina Ivri, things which are not clear in the Hebrew text. He says, not just a translation, 
It is also a form of a commentary. As it's found in many places, the Amr of Yosef, as Rav Yosef in the Gemara already tells us, had it not been for the Targum, and had it not been for the Unkelis' translation of this verse, Rav Yosef, the great scholar said, had it not been for Unkelis, I wouldn't even know what this verse is telling me. Telling me. Al-Kain, therefore, Tosus concludes, He says, can't do it in English, can't do it in Yiddish, can't do it in any language. You have to do it in, in, in Targum Unklis because there is something unique about that translation. Okay? That is the approach of Tosus. Not everyone agrees. Look at the rush. English translation? Yes. So recently, I believe, Art School came along with... Uh, with a commentary on Unklis, right? Classic Jewish text, right? Translation and slash commentary on as well. And then probably someone's going to write a commentary in the commentary and it'll continue, okay? But that's, yes, there is a translation of the Unklis. Um, I believe, I believe article recently came out with that. So source number four, the Rush disagrees. He says, Venira, it appears, Shahakore Beferish Torah, someone who reads the explanation of the Torah, Yotze Bo Yide Targum, they fulfill the requirement of Targum, Kivan Mila, since every word is explained in it. Okay, so the Rush, who is a also a medieval commentator, lives a little bit after Tosvos, but we oftentimes rely on him for our ruling, says no. At the end of the day, a translation is a translation. Yes, it's true, Targum may do some unique translations and commentary. Bottom line is the goal is really to translate, and therefore, if you want to read the English translation, you're good to go. Says the Smag. Um, the Smag is also an early commentator. Um, he writes like this. He says, Vanidanti lefnei rabosai. Source number five on page 278. I, uh, you know, argued in front of my teachers. Shaperish mol yosem in He says, I argued that the, 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 like he's living, I think, you know, in what, I, I believe in, uh, somewhere in Europe. Let's say the German translation, he says, is better than Targum. The same reason all of you nodded your head. Unkelis would be an, uh, just gibberish to many of us, right? What, we don't know what he's talking about. The Hodli Rabosai, my teachers agreed. However, Vlonir Rabbeinu Yitzchak, but Rabbeinu Yitzchak disagreed with me. V'chein Amr of Amram and Rav Amram also disagreed. Sheheshiv Rav Natrunai, Dafka Targum, Rav Natrunai, who is one of the Gaonim, I believe, uh, said it has to specifically be Targum, Shezacha Linaten Besinai, because Targum was given at Sinai. Okay, now again, not necessarily in that language, but the translation, the ideas that are incorporated in the, t- to the Targum is not just an English translation. The ideas that are incorporated in go back to Sinai. There's a specific tradition, as some imply, some infer from the Gemara in Megillah. Okay, so we have a debate over here. Some say, tw- everyone agrees, twice the text of the Torah. And the question for the one time of the translation, could is it Targum Unculus specifically? The targum that you'll find in the page of the Chumash, or could it be done in any language? Yes. So we'll see. We'll see. Other commentators are going to spell this out a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. So does the Rush live at the same time? Tosfos? He lives a little later, but from a from a halachic perspective. No, no, both of them were not. Tosos not Tosos living in uh, you know Germany, France, like Western Europe, and and the Rush is traveling around a little bit. But no, the no one speaking no one speaking Aramaic. No Aramaic is not a language, a spoken language at that point already. Yeah. Okay, good. So how does the Shulchan Aruch rule? Says the Shulchan Aruch, source number six, Im Lamad HaParsha Beperush Rashi. If a person learns with the commentary of Rashi, Chashiv Kemotargum, that is the that is like uh, using Unkelis, okay? V'yare Shemayim, and someone who fears heaven, Yikare Targum V'gam Perush Rashi. Okay, lay it on, right? A, do Targum, and then do Rashi, Right? Don't get any, any of your jobs done. Uh, just do Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum or Shnai Targum, whatever, every week. And uh, that's, that's the ideal thing to do. Okay? So Rashi and Targum, right? So that the easiest way of uh, not ruling between the both of them is say everything. Okay? However, let's see the Mishnah Bura. Says the Mishnah Bura, source number seven. Says the Mishnah Bura, Ki Targum Vegan Perish Rashi. Why? Ki Targum Yeshlo Ma'ala. Says the Mishnah Bura, why is he should do both? He says, because on the one hand, Targum Unkelis has a value, that it was given at Sinai, and it explains every single word. Targum, there's no word that he omits. He translates and explains every single word. And whereas Rashi has a value, that he explains the matter, according to Agadaic teachings of our sages. More so than the Targum. Uve MS, and in truth, Kane Rawi Linhag Adam, this is the way every person should uh, practice. 
Shiyomo Bechol Shavua Hasidra Imperish Rashi, Levad Hatargum. Everyone should learn the weekly parsha with Rashi. In addition, meaning aside from Targum, Kesh Kama Parshios Betorah, there are many. Um, there are many sections in the Torah, Uvifrat, Bechilik, Vayikra, and specifically in Vayikra. Okay, interesting. I don't know why he picks Vayikra. She Efshar Lavinam Klal Ayadei Targum Lechud. Just having Targum would not be enough. So Rashi argues, uh, excuse me, Mr. Bro argues the best thing to do and the most all encompassing to do. You want to really know Chumash, learn Targum and learn Rashi. Yes. No. Okay. Let's see. Mr. goes a little further. Um, he says, however, uh, he says, in truth, though, you do fulfill your obligation just with Rashi. Valkane, the source number eight on page 279, Chashav Kmotagum, Valkane, and therefore, Yotze, a person fulfills their obligation, mikra. if you read the Parsha twice, the Echad Perish Rashi, and one time the commentary of Rashi, the Osan Psukim She'enalem Perish Rashi, and those verses which don't have Rashi, Yikari Osan Shalosh Pa'am, you should read the verse three times. So again, he's saying, in ideal worlds, two times the ta- text, of the Parsha, one time Unculus and one time Rashi. If you want, you could just do one time Unculus. If you want, you could do one time Rashi. The verses that don't have Rashi, which is often, okay, occasionally I should say, um, then instead of just, instead of doing nothing, you read the text three times and you fulfill your obligation. The text three times. Like, the text three times but if there's no Rashi, you read the text three times. Does that? It's not necessarily going to enlighten you. It will not, but it fulfills the technical uh, obligation. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Um, one more, one more, a uh, few more sources over here to, to unpack this. If you look at page 280, uh, source number 10, Perish Rashi, um, says of Eretz Hainu Mishiachalahavin. He says, you're going to have the same problem. If it's only valuable to do Rashi, if you know what Rashi's talking about, right? This is pre-Art Scroll days when Rashi is translated as well, right? So he says, to do twice uh, with uh, Chumash and then one time Rashi, and if you don't know what he's talking about, that's not valuable. Aval Eno Barhachi, um, if you really don't know what Rashi means, and you don't know what Onkelis means, Vadai Ra'oi Likros Beparsha Torah, you should Torah, you should certainly read the commentary of the Torah, Shiyesh Balashan Ashkenaz, which exists in the languages that are used in Ashkenaz, that's the region, Kigon, Sefer, Tsena Ura'ena. Like the book, Senor Anna was a very popular book, specifically amongst women, um, and th- that would be the ideal thing. So this was very common, actually, historically, that many women would learn the Parsha, they would read the text, and they would read the, the commentary. It would be a translation, but it's not just a translation. Uh, there's, like, again, any translation, by definition, is incorporating some level of commentary. There's a local woman, her name is uh, Shira Hachimer, who gives a weekly shear on the, the ideas that come out of Senor Anna. Again, it's not like, don't just assume that just like... You know, anytime someone uh, who was just asking me about text, anyway, you look at the art school translation of the Chumash. You know, many people don't like it because it's not an academic translation. You know, they're never just translating the words. Um, but what, whatever, whether you like it or not, you have to recognize that what they're doing when they translate things, they're translating with a eye to commentary. They're always incorporating, typically art school, when they translate, they almost always incorporate Rashi's interpretation into the translation. Okay? So again, people don't like it. It doesn't matter. The point is that it's a commentary, even though they're just translating. Like uh, last week's of Torah, someone asked me, I'm trying, was it someone here? I'm trying to ask me about this. Oh, I know it was. Okay. Someone asked me about, it said about Devorah, that she was, it says, uh, Eshet Lapidot. How do you translate Eshet Lapidot? Opening line of the Haftorah. Were you all at Kiddush Club? Come on. No, just kidding. Uh, sorry? The wife of Lapidot, right? The wife of Lapidot. And, many, and that's the way that many comment, the Gemara understands it, that, that her husband's name was Lapidot. Some say that Lapidot and Barak are the same person. Okay, fine. You know what the Gemara, what the, what, what, what the Archibald translates this? A fiery woman. Isha Lapidot, a fire. And I don't think that's the most grammatical read. It's a Midrashic read that she was a feisty, strong person. We know that from the, from the text. But Eshet Lapid comes from the word flame. Okay? Um, and the idea is Eshet Lapidot, she was a fiery woman. Again, and that's not the academic, that's not the literal translation because there would be, I believe, Isha Lapidot or something along those lines. My grammar's not perfect, but Eshet but, uh, but Lapidot. But, but that's how they translate it. Why? Because the Midrashic reading reads it that way. Again, so even in a translation, there's a commentary. So how did I get all here? The point is that it says the Be'er Hetev, uh, one of the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, if you don't know Unkelis and you don't, can't read Rashi, then again, what's the point? So you, what you should do then is, yes, read a translation, whether you just read the art school translation or you read the Tzana Re'ena, whatever, something that would help you understand the text. Uchiyotzebo, something like that, Kedeshi Yavin, Inyana Parsha, so you'll know what the Parsha is actually talking about. Okay, fine. Um, 
Source number 11, this is, I think, pretty obvious, but let's just read it anyways. This is from Rav David Feinstein. He says, Yachal latzeis betargum shal rashi ba'anglit ala drachim shiachal latzeis barashi. He says, if you're going along the lines of those who say you could fulfill your obligation with rashi, then you certainly could read Rashi in English. There's no need to necessarily read it in Hebrew. If you could, you know, if you could fulfill your obligation using Rashi, then Rashi in English is just as good as reading it in Hebrew. Yes. So all of this applies to the Targum, the third part. You know, so the first two read, nobody's saying you can read a translation of the Hebrew. Correct. Everyone says you should familiarize yourself with the text of the Hebrew two times, and then Rashi, Unculus, or just a... English or whatever, you know, whatever language a person speaks. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. I will just say, you know, I, ha- I had when I was 13, some, some, you know, when you're 13, you look up to like people like 16, they're like the coolest people in the world, right? You know, didn't they remember that? So there's like some 16 year olds who like somehow talked me into doing Schneimaker with Rashi. And I have the most, the utmost appreciation for this. I don't do it anymore. I do it with Uncle Liz. I just, whatever, don't have the time. But, uh, but basically, I think I don't have the time, but basically he, uh, he talked me into, I did it for like, Eight, ten years or something. I don't remember exactly. And it's just, and, 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 it, you know, Chumash, you know, Chumash. Again, Rashi, you could argue it's Midrashic, but it's just, I, I have the most Takaras in the world. Like, just, it, it, it just, you know, having a basic handle on the Parshios, it sticks with you. It's something which is like the, the core of our knowledge base. So it's just something which, again, as we'll see, you know, the, the commentators say women are not obligated, uh, but it's, it's something which is just so fundamental and foundational to our knowledge base. Um, I, you know, if, if, if you're looking for, for, for some more fun, if you're looking for some more ways of expanding your knowledge base, uh, it is fun. Uh, then, then uh, you know, Shneimikrov and, and, and Rashi, whatever it is, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's rich. And it's so much of our, of our and, and, and parenthetically, one of the perks as well is that so many things which people assume are in the text, you realize are in Rashi and not in the text. Because unfortunately, oftentimes we're not so familiar with the text. Uh, the amount of times people ask questions, you know, about Avram and the Kivshana Aish, you know, being thrown into the, the, there's the famous, you know, example that, you know, what, what Parsha does it talk about Avram being thrown into the, the fiery furnace, you know, in Charan, of course, as you all know, it doesn't say that anywhere. But the point is that it's a Rashi. Rashi, it's a Medrash, really, that Rashi quotes. And these things become a part of, so even just knowing where to distinguish, where's this thing coming from? Is it coming from Rashi? Is it coming from the Parsha? Anyways, yes. I have two questions, actually. Yeah. What, could one of your readings be just following along in the special? Ah, that's what we're going to get to in a moment, yeah. And then the second thing is, I know, like, Nahomi's coming up. Where would one... Uh, I don't like telling people to do the Gemara tells well I'll tell you like this you, you, because you have there, there is a Gemara that says a person should learn mashalibo chafetz what a person desires um, if, if you were a, a man asking that question it said you have to Schneidmaker first it's, it's a more primary obligation uh, you don't have that same obligation so whatever speaks to you whatever speaks to you you know um, it, it's uh, you know if, if, if doing nach nach just start just actually just, you just started yeah. just started three days ago uh, but if uh, but if you know doing nach is something which is much more appealing Great. I mean, I happen to think learning, you know, having a basic knowledge of the five books of, of, of the Torah is, is, is foundational, but that's it, you know, whatever. Bottom line is that we have, we have latitude. We have a lot of latitude when it comes to Talmud Torah. Okay, let's go a little further. So that first question, source number 12, page 281. Yachol Likros. Um, let's say a person here, they go to Shul and they hear the Balkore read once. Right? So, do you fulfill your obligation that way? You know, we do a lot of things. We have this principle in halacha called Shomea Keone. Right? Did you say Kiddush on Shabbos morning? Some of you did. Some of you didn't. Right? Uh, you know, some people didn't. And what do they do? They heard someone else say Kiddush. Right? And yet, it's, they fulfill 100% their obligation of Kiddush. Shomea Keone. If you hear, if you listen, it's like you yourself said it. So, says the Magen Avram, Let's say you heard it from the the the, the Balkare, the Korapam Achas, and then you go and read once, Yatza, you fulfill your obligation. He says, ideally says you shouldn't do it this way. But technically speaking, you heard it. If you paid attention, the same way I heard Kiddush and I fulfill my obligation for Kiddush, so too if I heard the Chazan read or whatever, the, the Balkare read, I fulfill my obligation. Yes. Ah, we're gonna get to that as well. Good. Source thirteen. Um, sorry, yes. Just the one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me just clarify. Yes, he doesn't mean everything. Sorry. No, no pass on just coming up to come to, to, to Chris Dara. He means one of the times, right? You're supposed to read the text twice to familiarize yourself with the text. Can I, just by listening to someone else read the text, is that sufficient? The answer is yes. Listening to it is, is good enough for one time, but that does not fulfill my obligation across the board. Says the Mishnah Bura, source 13, the Ayin b'magen Avram. 
Uh, look in the Magen Avram, that's the one we just read. Sif Katzen Ches. Shekasa b'shem lechem chamudos debidiyeved. You know, like in a, not ideal, but but it's okay. Yotze pam achas. You fulfill your obligation one time. B'mash shama mi hashliach tzibur. What you hear from the Baal Kore. V'yeshachronim. There are those others, other achronim, other later commentators. Shemachmirin afilu diyeved who say you don't even fulfill your obligation after the fact. Next paragraph, umikamakum, nonetheless, near it appears, dilikro belachash, to, to read quietly, mila bimila im hashats, uh, word by word with the balkore, ein lahachmir bazeh, you should not be stringent about this, meaning you certainly do fulfill your obligation with this, kivan sin shemechavein az, gam lishmoa kol tevam pia shliach tibor, you're reading and you're listening, you're doing both, right? You could multitask in that respect, if I'm reading along, um, if you read along and you're, list, you're reading and you're listening, okay, maybe some can, some can. I don't know. That's, that's what I do. Uh, what's it called? But, but uh, you know, if, if you're able to multitask like that and read along and listen at the same time, then for sure he says you fulfill your obligation. Uh, there are those who say it's ideal to do so. Why would it be ideal to do so? Just parenthetically. He doesn't explain over here. Yeah? Helps to integrate your learning. Helps integrate your learning, yeah. You're, it helps integrate, yeah. You're, you're able to be fo- much more focused. If I'm reading along word for word, it also ensures that you don't get distracted, right? In other words, if you're just listening, it's harder, right? How, what do you have more concentration for? The silent amida or the repetition? Repetition, we're kind of looking around, whatever. You know, basically, if you're reading, you're engaged. So, hey, I think there's also this in- integrative learning. There's a sense of making it mine. I'm taking it. I'm, I'm, I'm like absorbing it in a more concrete way. But also, I think you're more focused. Um, and some say that really is the ideal thing to do. And shul, to read along with the chazan. I imagine, imagine if everyone read along with the chazan, it'd be a lot much quieter shul. Unless they're not, they're whispering loudly, you know. But, but the point is that that would be, you know, be very nice. Everyone just completely focusing on the reading of the so again, uh, there is a debate about whether or not listening alone helps you fulfill your obligation for one, for one reading of the text, but everyone agrees, and seems some would even argue it's ideal, to read along with the chazan. Okay? Okay. Yes? Last week, somebody brought up the question about <coughs> coming late, women coming late, yeah. and catching up. Yeah. And the question was, is it better to catch up like your Shema Nesrei during Kriya Right. Um, and we never answered it. We're still not going to answer it. <laughs> Probably next week when we talk about Kriya Torah in general. Then we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, okay. Then, then this, would this would impact this. Yes, yes, yes. So, so this is going to tie into what, what obligation, what level of obligation is there for the Tzibor, for the congregation, for the woman. Like, in other words, uh, you know, there's individual obligations. Then Kriya Torah has something unique, which we'll see, which is like a congregational obligation. Uh, meaning, a very interesting example, you know, this, this came up uh, just par- during COVID, exactly, right? In other words, uh, you know, when a person, when a shul misses a week, okay? So meaning, let's say you missed shul last week, okay? Let's say all, everyone missed shul last week, whatever, right? Do we have an obligation? Uh, let's say, no, let's say an individual missed shul last week. Do you have an obligation to make up the parts that you missed? No, right? But let's say an entire congregation misses shul one week, right? Do you have an obligation to make up last week's Kriya Torah? The simple answer is yes, Many were lenient when it came to COVID because we were, I believe, if I recall correctly, we went the first week was like Shavuos and it was already blistering hot because we were in Baltimore. And imagine we were sat outside and we were downing outside uh, with lousy tents. And imagine we were sat outside for like two hours while we would have like, whatever, an hour and a half while we caught up from like, uh, like you know, 15, 20, whatever, 15 partios would have been crazy. Uh, but the short answer is there is, so my point of all saying all this, and we'll get to go into more detail, is that there is a difference between, an interv- there, there's something unique about Christo, which is congregational, and then we'll see how that applies to women as well. So yeah, we'll get into that. Okay, let's go a little further in Shnai Mikra. Um, source uh, 15 on page 282, a uh, couple of other details regarding this mitzvah. Uv'inina kriya, regarding uh, how, what's the, what's the proper way to do so? There are different views. There are those who say, you should read each verse two times, and then read the commentary. There are those who say, read the entire section, right? In the Torah, right? Just parenthetically, how are sections made in the Torah? We, we, we normally think of chapters, right? right? Right, We normally think of chapters as the sections. That is incorrect. The chapters were created, and I forget his name, were, were developed by a Christian uh, priest, uh, and they're just very convenient, so we incorporated them into our homage. It's fascinating that we do that, uh, but he, he, he did a good job. Uh, he did a good job, and that's where the chapter, chapter and verse system does n- is not a Jewish uh, invention. It comes from a, again, I forget his name, it was, written, it was like hundreds of years ago, uh, developed the chapter and verse system, and it's very convenient, because imagine you're looking, we're learning together, and I say, just like now, if you lose the place, I tell you, no, it's chapter X and uh, verse Y, right? But, but, but in the Torah, 
That's not the the breakdown. I'll take your question in a second. The 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 breakdown is actually you'll you'll see it in the in the chumashim with either a pei or a samach, and what that represents is a gap in the text. So sections are separated by gaps in the. If you open a sefer Torah, there's a gap, and those gaps in a chumash are represented by that little pei or that little samach after a section. Okay, uh, but but the sections uh, distinct, um, you know, differentiated by chapters. That is not really from a halachic perspective. It doesn't really carry any weight. It's just incredibly convenient. Yes. So he needs the, the, the psukim too, not just the chapter. So psukim, thank you. I need to clarify. So no, the psuk, the separation of psukim, there is, as far as I know, no debate about where the psukim begin. But uh, it just in terms of numbering the psukim, that's something where the again this priest, I'm blanking on his name, he he developed the Stephen Langton. Stephen Langton thank you. Okay, uh, how far back does this go? Thirteenth century. Okay, way back when. Uh, but yes, the actual begin the the separation of verses is you know again I don't believe there there could be one or two but certainly I'm not familiar with uh, that that the se- the the separation of the verses we have the same you know tradition so to speak but in terms of numbering them that's also done by Stephen Langton. Yeah. I once worked in a conservative show. Mm-hmm. And I was, they only did like part of the parsha each week like they. They have a three-year three three system, which is actually something that's found in the Gemara. The Gemara actually, at certain eras, there before, before you know, eventually we started doing the cycles we finish every year. That wasn't always the case. Uh, the Gemara already talks about the fact that yeah, show would have been a whole lot shorter, right? Uh, they split spread it out over three years. Over three, over three, yeah, over three years they spread it out. So three year, three year cycles. That's uh, it's. Uh, no, <laughs> the short answer is no. Uh, but it is. But it, I mean, it, you know, it hasn't been done this way in, in traditionally for a thousand. You know, I, I don't know the exact history, uh, but for a long time. Um, but but it's but it's not a it's not like a new creation. It's a restoring like a, something that was done. Yes. Okay. Oh, I just to say though, sometimes the are not the you lose, yeah, it's important, if you're studying Chumash critically, it's just, it's important to, like, not lose sight of that. So often, uh, you know, where they, where the, this parak will start, I find you lose out in so much of the richness of the text uh, by, by, you know, by, by think, you know, again, how, how things are placed, you know, is, is how things are placed is, is critical. Uh, you know, I don't know, I, I just think of the opening section of the Torah where it talks about um, Adam and Chava and that whole story. So in the, in the text, that in the, in the chapter system, you know, the whole story of Adam and Chava is a, its own chapter. I believe it's chapter two, I guess, right? Um, in, in the Chumash, it's actually connected to the creation of man, which would indicate that there's something about the story which is, is very much fundamental, is foundational to the, to the creation of Adam and Chava. It's not like a separate story, but this is actually, uh, you know, as some frame it like the the sin is part of what makes us again this sounds a little more that that whole episode i don't want to say it that way the whole episode really is part of what makes us who we are um right it depends how you read it right and and the next section of kain and hevel uh you know you, it's actually if you the way it's broken down in in chapters is is has like the whole story of kain and hevel is kind of independent and then separate but if you look at the way it's written in the torah with the gaps it actually begins with uh, the birth of of, uh, of of Cain and Hevel, and then it goes all the way until the birth of Shace. Like, it's almost really the bookends of that story are really all about Chava and the birth of her children, less so about breaking it down between the story of Cain and Hevel and then a separate story and a separate story, right? So it is always, if you're learning Chumash critically, it's always important to look where those gaps are because in doing so, it really shows you how the Torah frames those stories and what one section is from the Torah perspective. Yeah, important points. Okay. That's uh, Rabbi Kaplan? Rabbi Kaplan yeah. How does he do that? I, I'm not... He, 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 he breaks it that way. He does, you don't sort of... Uh, you, it's hard to find the verse. I don't think he, he numbers the chapters. Oh, interesting. It's very hard to see the number of chapters. Or interesting. Something like that. It's, I, it, I find it hard to navigate because I'm always looking for, you know, which Pasuk. Pasuk, right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Good. Good to know. Good to know. Yes. Before printing, uh, the implications what do you mean? Um, so, if, I mean, now we have houses full of sfarim. Right. At this time, people wouldn't necessarily have a safer Torah in their home. Right. So they would probably have to go to the Beit Midrash or make sure to hear the daily, you know, the weekly Torah readings. It just seems like it would be very different. Like, you'd have to have a time to go and learn this rather than... Oh, I always sit at home and do this. To, do it on my phone, like I often do. Yeah, yeah, good points, good points, good points. Yeah, the, the, the effort that would have to go into it would obviously much, be much, 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 much more difficult. So yeah. Really 
Was it really done? I don't know. You, you already find text. We'll see at the end of the section. We'll find that there are like clearly many are not doing it. Many were not doing it. And there's like this push against those who are not doing it. But uh, I don't know. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a place where pe- people weren't literate or there was no, like Beth says, there was no access, how, how would they do it? Yeah. So I, I, again, I, I don't know, like early, medi- you know, medieval era, but certainly in the, the latter part, you know, the la- last few centuries after, you know, the Tenorena was incredibly popular. Santa Rena was a very, very popular book. Uh, my understanding, if I recall, like not, it was, it was officially written for women, but it wasn't only written by women. There was no shortage of, of men who received a, a, a similarly limited education in, in, their, in the in not-so-ancient world. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know, like, sociologically, like what, but you do find the mention of Santa Rena uh, very much, again, when you have, like, historical accounts from 19th century. Again, I don't, it's hard to know, like, from, from before that, how far, thing, you know, what was done, but uh, we certainly find a big, we certainly find that it's, it's pretty, pretty popular uh, amongst, uh, you know, the regular people uh, to, to go ahead and do so. Yes? The Parshas themselves, that is... That, that is, that is, that, correct, that, that is something which is, that, that, that you don't find in the right. Bible, you know, you'll find that, 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 that's something which is based on our tradition, correct, 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 that goes back to the Midrashim that, that's separated that way, yeah. Okay, so a couple of other details, so again, there's two opinions about, uh, you know, do you read each verse twice, and then the commentary, do you read the whole section uh, twice, and then the commentary, let's just skip to verse uh, 16, uh, sorry, um, <laughs> verse, uh, what's it called, um, source 16 from the Aracha Shulchan, he says, He says, There are those who read the entire Parsha, and then, right, the entire Parsha, meaning the entire section, and then a second time, and then the Targum. This is, uh, comes out of the Orzeru HaGadol. He says, It appears to me, It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. In other words, you have to do two verses, and then the translation, do you do a whole section twice, and then the translation. He says, Each approach has what to rely upon. Okay, some days you could do X, some days you could do Y, meaning some days you could do verse, verse, translation, some days you could do section, section, translation. It doesn't really matter. There's what to rely upon. And if there really was such an importance to one way or another, he says, then we would have expected the earlier commentators to elaborate the fact that they didn't. Uh, it's an interesting argument that Archa Shulchan invokes from time to time, I believe, and that is that he says, if there really made such a difference how to do it, we would have expected people to talk about this earlier. The fact that they don't indicates whichever method you use is totally fine. Okay? Um, like you're, it's one sitting. I always assumed it was twice in a week. What do you mean twice in a week? Sorry. You know, pasuk, pasuk, targum. Right. So it's like just once. Mm-hmm. I always assumed this meant like two sessions of learning a week. Why is that two? Sorry. I'm so, what do you mean? You read one Schneider, and then you read one. I thought that it meant... Oh, learn twice, it. learn twice during the week. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. So no, this can be done in one sitting, it can be done in 12 sittings, it doesn't, yeah, the point is to get through the whole thing. Yeah. Yes? Is there, I mean, the he, all examples he's giving is like, you do the Targum last, is there any anticipation of the Targum the third time? Can you do like, read, Targum, read? Um, I believe he says, uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, look, look at source 17. Yeah, so source 17, Vishli Stapik. He says there, there's, uh, it's uncertain. This exact question. You first have to read the text twice. Can you do make a sandwich? Text, Targum, text. The Lavush from the Vush, it sees that that's the way he says it. Shikasavi wrote, nearly it appears to me, let's say a person reads the Parsha once, the translation once, and then when they go to Shoal, they read along word for word, right? So what's that? That is text once, then the translation, and then the text again. So either way is fine. Okay, interesting question. Source 18. Okay, that's true for the text of the Torah. What about, of the Parsha? What about Yom Tov readings? What about the other readings that we do? Uh, you know, we're going to Pesach soon, as I just said, right? What, are, what about reading Shnai Mikra for Pesach? I'm sorry. Kasa Moreno Harav Yisrael B'Ksavav. Okay, so he writes, Simen Kuf Ayin, Didafka Parshas HaShabbos Chayv Lahashlim. It is only when it comes to Shabbos that we have an obligation to finish it. Avalein Tzorach Likros Parshas Yom Tov. You do not have to do so for Yom Tov. Even though he writes that according to Rabbeinu Hananel, the whole reason behind doing so is 
There are those who argue, Rabbeinu Hanan argues, the whole purpose, we never got to why. Why do we have to do this? Rabbeinu Hanan says the reason we have to do this is so that we come to Shul, we'll be able to follow along. Instead of like, ah, it's the first time we see it. No, we should be familiar by the time we come to Shul. So Vim Kane, if that's the case, it would make sense that you'd have to fulfill and read the Parshas of Yom Tov as well. So Kvar Kasav, Dilasharga Onim, Ein Sarech, but according to other opinions, as terms of the why we do so, there's no need. And it appears that no one did this. This was not the practice to read the Yamt of reading. This is also the common, this is the common practice. And this is the Shulchan Aruch in Source 19 writes, it's on the page, Ein Sarech, Likros, Parshas, Parshas, Yom Tov, you do not have to do so for Parsha of Yom Tov. Okay. Um, same thing, same thing. You don't have to do it. It's only the Parsha. Exactly, exactly. Right. I don't really do it. Let's be honest. I kind of like, you know, I don't, like this week's Parsha, Parsha Bishbatim. In my summary, I'm not going to get through 100 mitzvot. It's going to take too long, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a start. It's a start. I try to give a summary, and that's part of the reason I do it. It's really for, it's inspired by Shemai Mikra. That's really the, the, the thought process behind it. So, source, thank you. Source 20. Uh, it says, the Shulchan here gets a little bit into the reason behind this. We don't actually have, like, a clear course, source, for the reason behind it. Then he says, bold statement. We have a tradition that it was Moshe who instituted the Torah reading in Shul every week. So, this Takana goes all the way back to Moshe. Okay? Pretty, pretty strong. Everyone would read it twice and one commentary. The Levush, one of the early commentators, wrote, The reason is, not so much about, and this would explain why not Yamtiv. He says the main purpose is, we should be knowledgeable about the Torah. Right? Okay, before we talk about knowledgeable in like, I don't know, the Rambam and the, and the this and Navi, whatever. He says, Torah, Torah is the most fundamental book. We should all be knowledgeable. Okay, he says that's not enough. He says he wants another reason. He says the Nira, it appears, the obligation um, of, of the Torah includes hearing it and learning it. He says the idea is that we listen to the Torah and we learn it. Um, the hearing takes place in Shul. But you should learn it beforehand from the Chumash. Then you go up and you read it from the Torah. In other words, there's two re- the reason he's giving is it's more about Kriyasa Torah. Right? The Levush says the purpose is we should be proficient in the Torah. As Jews, we should know Chamishei Chumshei Torah. Bare minimum. That, that should be what we should know. Whereas the Arach HaShulchan says, it appears to me it's more about Kriyasa Torah. It's more about we come to Shul, we're going to hear the Torah reading, we should know what it's talking about. Right? So, fine. Those are the two reasons behind it. Both valuable reasons. Whether it's because of Kriyasa Torah, whether it's because we should know Chumish. Both ways, bottom line is there'd be great value in learning Chumish properly. Okay? One more, uh, one more set of halachos about when we are supposed to uh, start and finish. So if you look at source 285, uh, page 285, excuse me. Um, okay, page 285, source 22. Yashlim Okay, Nira says Tosos. It appears, the entire week. Since we begin reading the Parsha, when do we begin reading, when did we begin reading Parsha's Mishpatim? Already at Mincha yesterday. Right? So, that's called doing it with the congregation. So, as soon as it is that week's Parsha, which he says begins at Mincha of uh, the Shabbos before, right? That's when you could start. Okay? Um, says the Kolbo, source 23. Okay? Again, Kolbo is one of the earliest collection of, uh, of, of, of Halachos, Minhagim. He says, He says, If you start from Sunday, Yatsi, you fulfill your obligation. That's called doing so. Again, if you look, the text in the Gemara says, Read the Parsha, with the congregation. What does it mean, with the congregation? Meaning, when the congregation is already attuned to that week's Parsha. So he says, Sunday already is counted. Since they started at Shabbos, then he says, He says, no. But don't read like Tosos does. It specifically means from Sunday. Even if you already went to Mincha. And even if they already read the Parsha, you don't fulfill your obligation. That day, they're reading the previous Parsha. Okay, so there's some debate. Ever agrees Sunday, you're good to go. The question is Shabbos afternoon. If someone were to ask you, what Parsha is it today? Yesterday at 3 p.m., what would you answer? 
Yitzro, right? And that's where Rabbeinu Peretz is arguing. Since Parshas, the, the Shabbos yesterday, it's still Parshas Yisro. Therefore, you can't start Parshas Mishpatim. There are others who argue, no, since, the, since we already started reading Parshas Mishpatim, even though we wouldn't call it Parshas Mishpatim, it's already Parshas Mishpatim. Okay, um, fine. Says the, says the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Brewer over here. Um, Shulchan Aruch writes, Rishon matzibor. Uh, The Shulchan Aruch writes from Sunday and on, which sounds like the second opinion. However, the Mishnah Brewer says, nah, don't read it so deliberately. Uh, so de- so, uh, so deliberately, says the Mishabura at source 25, since they start a mincha of Shabbos, Likros, Parsha, Shavua, Haba, to read the Parsha that, uh, that to come, meaning yesterday we read Mishpatim, anyone who starts then, it's like they read it with the congregation. Therefore, although the Mechaber, meaning the author of the Shulchan Aruch, wrote from Sunday and on, love Dafkahu. Uh, don't read it deliberately. He probably just meant from around Sunday, meaning from the mincha before. Um, okay. So a little bit more detail over here. I'm just going to read this quickly. Okay, fine. So it says the Shemir Shabbos Galchasa, Umistabert appears logical. Dahainu Mizman Mincha Gedola. It's not only if you went to Shul to read a mincha, but it's the time that you could read mincha already. Shirawi Kvar Likros, the Parsha Chadasha, it's already the time that's appropriate to read the next Parsha. So if you want to be, I, this is just my own personal thing, I like to know the Parsha ahead, because I don't know, first of all, I want to teach it. Second of all, people might ask you a question. You want to know the Parsha ahead. So my, I try, I try to stay ahead of the curve, so to speak. And for me, you know, we done Mincha at the end of the day, but from, you know, whatever, each day is different. But by the time you done Mincha and on, that's personally, I'll just, I'll start that week's Parsha, Shabbos afternoon, if I have the time, I'll, you know, start Mishpatim at that point, because that way you're kind of ahead of it, as opposed to what typically happens where you fall behind. Okay, fine. Um, okay, what happens if you miss? Let's just do this outside, uh, running low on time. What happens if you, if you miss Shnai Mikra? How long do you have to make it up? So the post can say you have until there's this notion that, let's say you miss Avdallah. When can you make Avdallah? Until? Tuesday, right? Until Tuesday. Tuesday is still considered an extension of Shabbos. Though, by the way, you don't make the entire Havdal. You, you, you skip a couple of things. But the point is that until Tuesday, it's already considered after Shabbos. So similarly, if I don't finish my Parsha, I, ideally, let's, let's start here. Ideally, you want to finish Shnai Mikra before it's read in Shul, right? Because again, according to one opinion, the whole purpose of this is, so when you come to Shul, you really know the Parsha, right? So ideally, you want to finish it Shabbos morning before you start laning. Right? If you don't finish it then, ideally you finish it Shabbos day. Some say if you don't finish it then, finish it before you eat. Okay? If you don't finish it by the time you eat, finish it on that Shabbos. If you don't finish it then, you can finish it by Tuesday. But if you don't finish it then, the post can say you have all the way until... When do we really finish the Torah? Simcha's Torah. So you might see some people sometimes, uh, this was me at different times of my life, but basically sitting in the corner, just like zipping through like all of Sefer Dvarim because it was the summer and I was running around and I like missed the Hanar Parshios. So basically you have until they finish, finish, and that is... Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah is the cutoff point. At that point, you can't do it anymore. So again, ideally finish it before the lane. If not, you finish it before you eat your Shabbos morning meal. If not, you finish it Shabbos day. If not, you finish it Tuesday. If not, you finish it by Simchas Torah. That is the way to do it. Okay? Make sense? Okay. Good. Now let's get to the question which we sort of started with, and that is women's obligation. So if you look at page 288 on the bottom of the page, says the Yalka Yosef, uh, this is Ravad Yosef's son. He says, <clears throat> source 31, Iker Hatakana, the main... Uh, institution is to re- learn the Torah and to understand it. Since technically women are exempt from the full-fledged obligation to learn Torah, therefore they're also exempt from Shnai Mikra, right? The, the obligation for women is different when it comes to Talmud Torah than it is for men. And therefore they're technically exempt. The Afle Aposkim, and even according to those who write, um, even those who say that a woman does have to listen to Kriyasa Torah, which we'll talk about next week, even if you say they're obligated to, to go to Kriyasa Torah, this might be different. Why? Should be Kriyasa for Torah. Because, as I already, we, we touched upon this briefly when, when we started this, because the reading of the Torah in Shul, Hudin Miuchad, it is a unique halacha, she mitzvah lishmoa, kemo mitzvah's hakel. It is a mitzvah like hakel. What is hakel? Every seven years, all the Jews would gather in the courtyard of the base of Migdash to hear the Torah being read. Okay? And that was an obligation on men, women, children, everyone. Okay? Independent of a regular Kriyasa, you know, Talmud Torah. And therefore, there are those who say that Kriyasa Torah in Shul is like an extension of Hakel. 
in which case women would also be obligated. But he says, but if that's the case, then it's limited to Kriyasa Torah because that's this public reading. But the Shnayim Mikra, which is, you know, related to it, but it's not the same thing, uh, then... then um, he says women would not have the obligation. Certainly, according to us, according to us, who hold that women are not obligated in Kriyasa Torah, certainly they're not obligated to reach Nine Mikra. So, again, bottom line halacha is I can't tell you you're obligated to do so. I would say in a vacuum, if you're just choosing and all things were equal, uh, notwithstanding what I said before, you're, you're, if you have time to learn, right? you know, you, you, uh, you know, you, you get to choose what you want to learn, but the bottom line is there is certainly great value in knowing Chlemish, in knowing Chlemish. Yes. But this is a Sephardi. Yes. So it, it, the, 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 the bottom line, it, yeah, it's an important point. The bottom line is that, if you let's look at the next source. So this is from Rabbi Eliezer Melamed, an Ashkenazi postic. He writes, Nashim peturos michovas kriyas Torah umikriya shnai mikra vechatar. Women are exempt from Torah reading in Shul and from shnai mikra. Vim yirtsu lishtate bikriyas Torah vililmod as parshas ha-shavua yesh le mitzvah. If they want to participate, of course, it's a mitzvah. The same way, that's uh, shaking will of an esrog. Are you obligated? No. If you do it, is it a mitzvah? Yeah. For some reason, women will go to, typically will go to extreme lengths to listen to shofar blowing. Uh, not the same for Shnai Mikra or Kriya Satora. Okay, we could, we could, there, are pro- there are good reasons why. But, but the point is, it's certainly something incredibly valuable. Um, you know, not being obligated is not the same as there's no value, right? So Yesh Mitzvah, there certainly is a mitzvah to do so. Okay, I would just mention, uh, the la- you know, there was a question about, um, there's a question about do people do so? If you just turn the page to source 34, this is from Moshe Feinstein. Was this actually done? So uh, says Ramosha Feinstein, this, he's writing this not that long ago. He says, Regarding the mitzvah, that everyone is obligated to learn the parsha twice with commentary. Uh, it, it's become very weak. Even according to many people who ostensibly are living a, a Torah lifestyle. Pashut ubarur. He says it is obvious. Just, and he says, there are those who are learning Torah all day. They're in yeshiva and they're learning Torah all day. And they're like, okay, I'm learning Torah. And therefore, I don't have the time. I'm busy learning Bavakama. I don't have the time to learn the Parsha. He says, just like you are not um, exempt. A person who learns uh, Gemara is not exempt from, I don't know, lighting Hanukkah candles, even though it's a rabbinic law. He says, but shows the Torah, the claim they are learning Torah. So you're not exempt from this. The Adraba, on the contrary, even Rav Shimbar Yechai, who the Gemara says was technically exempt from mitzvos, he was exempt from... Why? Because Osig mitzvah patrim and mitzvah. It's a complicated uh, discussion, but it seems like that there was it was it was they, they were in this unique status. When there's a general principle, if I'm immersed in one mitzvah, then I'm exempt from other mitzvos. It might be a unique type of uh, application of it, but that's the general reason why. So He says even they, even they, they wouldn't listen to how far he's going. He's saying even though you have people who technically would be exempt from davening every day, they would still be obligated in Shnai mikra. Certainly in our generation, we are certainly no experts in the written Torah. We should, it would be, you know, it would be incumbent upon us to to learn Shnai Mikra. So again, I I, I apologize, but I don't apologize. I apologize because uh, this could have been something that we skipped, just like I skipped so many other things, because technically women are exempt. I I didn't skip because I think it's so fundamental. It's so fundamental. It's like such a basic part of our faith. And thank God there's an explosion of learning, an explosion of opportunities to learn in a very easy and accessible way. don't do Targum Onkelis because, yeah, most of us don't understand what he's talking about, but there's so many other ways to have a basic read of, uh, I remember, as I'll just share, I just remember like I was in, I was in Karen Biyavon in Yeshiva and learning, whatever, and I remember at one point, I was like, I don't know, and the, other, the Gemara quotes, you know, Tanakh all the time. So I knew, whatever, I knew the Parsha, but I don't know, like, Yeshai, are you kidding me? So I just sat down and it was like, this is so embarrassing. I just sat down and just like picked that big, the green monster, as they call it, you know, the green, the green book, the Tanakh, and just like read through the English, right? It didn't really stick, but at least I had like some handle and like whatever, like, Chumash is like you know the the olive phase of 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 our of our of our, of our knowledge. So I just uh, that that's why I thought it was important to to go through tomorrow. Next week we're going to focus on Kriyas Torah, and uh, as I said when we begin, we're going to be wrapping up this book soon. I'll put the uh, summary of what I said about what's to come in the chat. Have a wonderful wonderful week. Okay.